Looking for a convenient, cost-effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code, Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education. Created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx. This comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year, Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period, hundreds of coding scenarios, and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information, and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Do you have a hard time landing your first medical coding position or keep hitting the wall of every position that requires at least three years of hands-on coding experience? If you are credentialed but still have a hard time getting hired, the renowned talent one-on-one coaching program is perfect for you. You will work closely with Bertram Lansico on your resume, social media presence, interview training, and access to companies who hire entry-level talent. Bonuses include resume templates, relevant resume keywords, and encoder access. Please visit RenownTalent.com and tell them you heard about this coaching program through the NEC podcast. Again, please visit RenownTalent, R-E-N-O-W-N, talent.com and tell them you heard about this coaching program through the NEC podcast. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to Do Not to Not Elsewhere. Not Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. All right, everybody, welcome to the Not Elsewhere Classified podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kui from medicalcodinggeek.com. If you are listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. Over 70% of our listeners listen to this podcast with their Apple iPhone. So please pick up your Apple device, go to Apple Podcasts, <clears throat> and leave our show a five star rating review. You can also check out this podcast on YouTube. So please. Make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a comment, leave a rating. Well, you don't leave a rating. You like the like the video, <laughs> like the video. Leave a comment and share it with your colleagues. Uh, it definitely helps us out. You could check out Medical Coding Geek and Not Also Classified on social media, including Facebook and Instagram. You could check out our Facebook groups by going to medical coding medicalcodinggeek.com. Uh, where you can also find the our blog, which includes the CEU hit list, where you could find free monthly CEUs. Uh, again, I recently released the November list, and it looks very much um, very. It has a lot of uh, CEUs. The one thing that I would recommend is share it with your colleagues. And make sure they have that list early on because as the month uh, progresses, you are potentially missing out on free CEU opportunities. And 
off the top of my head, I believe there's over 15 CEUs for free CEUs for the month of November. And also, you could check out me. My name is Brian Kui. Uh, last name is spelled C-U-I on LinkedIn. Uh, so today on the podcast, I am continuing my conversation with Dr. Richard Pinson from Pinson and Tang LLC. He is the half creator, along with Cynthia Tang, uh, of the original CDI Pocket Guide, which uh, was released many, 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 many years ago. Is one of the original pocket guides out there uh, that set guidelines in CDI. Uh, in this part of, in part two of this uh, interview, uh, if you missed part one, please make sure to go back and listen to that. But in part two, we continue our conversation where he discusses the um, the evolution of CDI and the current state of the CDI industry. We also talk about the importance of having a, I call it the physician champion. Uh, the new term now is uh, CDI physician advisor. Why is it important to have a physician on board your program if you are able to? And then we wrap up the episode. So without further ado, here is part two of my interview with Dr. Richard Pinson. Enjoy. they want uh, out of it there's no uh add-ons oh okay okay there's, there's no add-ons and uh, we just uh we can include so much more and it allows for like external links internal mm-hmm. hyperlinks external links oh okay if you want to see a reference you can go straight to it if you want to see the sepsis 2 Mm-hmm. Uh, original publication, the Sepsis Three publication. You just click on the link. That's interesting. From our references. So. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, make very, it make the information very, very streamlined. Yeah, and it's really, I, I think uh, that's where we're all headed. And there's so many things that you can link to, and to have unlimited capacity is uh, is incredibly valuable rather than having to limit yourself to what you can interesting print now let me let me ask you when you when you had um published the the pocket guide uh did you i guess creating the the pocket guide now you have the unbound version right the the cloud version what did all of that the creating of that resource uh, do for do for you or both of you guys did what did it do for your company oh it, it's been a, a tremendous boost because imagine right <laughs> it was so it's so popular mm. so we're really a household name in there the cdi community it's almost like we're a brand name and the cdi pocket guide and pinson and tang are considered very authoritative we're not official but outside official guidelines we're probably the only and most authoritative source for uh cdi uh excellence yeah because there's you have some creds i mean you have uh you you have credibility because you guys were the first one to you know when i heard pocket guide i'm like there's a pocket guide 
really, first and only. Yeah. Where can I get it? And then I look at the, you know, somebody gave it to me. I'm like, man, what, who, who wrote this? And it's like, Oh, Dr. Pinson and Cynthia Tang. I'm like, Oh, I'm interested. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, even before I started this podcast, I'm like, man, what, what made them want to create this? You know? Cause it's, it's like when you, when you, when you, I guess are positioned in a certain time and in industry in a certain industry, you know, you, would you, right. I guess, you know, you say it gave you a boost. Did you ever think it would boost you that, that exponentially? I mean, we never thought it would sell as many copies as it had. Uh, the growth was really fantastic. The sales increased about 20% every Holy year. Wow. And uh, I think in our, our last year with Actus, uh, it may have sold 7,000 copies. There have mm-hmm. probably been 40,000 copies of this thing. Wow. Sold uh, over, the, over the years. Now, I'm sure you guys attend conferences, right? Well, one we used to, you know, in person. Um, right. Did anybody ever bring you the the pocket guide and say, can you guys autograph it for us? (laughs) I knew what you were going to ask. Knew it because that happens so many times um, that people would come. They want their photograph taken Mm. with us as if we were some kind of celebrities. There you go. That's where I was going. You know, in the hold up the pocket guide, please, you know, with so so all of the my, the folks back home will be able to see that we met you and mm-hmm. and we want to take it home and get it. We want it autographed. One lady didn't have her pocket guide with her. Oh. She asked us to autograph a sticky note <laughs> so that she could take it home and paste <laughs> and it. then put it in the in the book. Paste it in the pocket guide. So that's funny. all those things have just been so exciting, and you know, it just tells us that we really are making a difference in the professional lives of all these people. Yeah. And if they love it so much, it means it, it really is meaningful in their work mm-hmm. and it's meaningful in their knowledge base and their the feeling about their own professionalism. Right. So that that's what education is all about. And, yeah. uh, that's what really makes a big difference to us. I mean, it's great that we sell a lot, that it's a financial success, but boy, that really makes a difference to know that we're affecting so many people's lives. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Now, now I'm sure, I mean, it is successful, but I'm sure there were challenges in, in creating the resource, were there any challenges that you could speak of in, in, in when you created this, uh, this, this pocket guide? Uh, yes, I think, um, it, it did sort of flow kind of naturally from what we were already teaching mm-hmm. in our consulting work. You know, we had slide decks. We, we kind of knew what the important things were we wanted people to know in our our consulting and setting up or improving uh, the uh, performance of CDI programs. Mm -hmm. So it flowed from there, but the real challenge was taking those things and then 
making sure that everything, how can I say it, that, that everything matched up. Okay. That, you know, how, what's the best way to present this content? There you go. Mm-hmm. For, the, for the learner. And it, they went through several, several variations uh, in the early years. And we added a lot of content. The initial content was uh, maybe 15 or 16 clinical topics. Um, guidelines were shorter back then. And then we've had all this growth and, you know, all kinds of new things coming along, like pay for performance right. and quality measures and all that stuff had to be added. And so we had to grow our expertise and uh, we finally settled on a format for these clinical diagnoses that really we think works with first, we define them. Every single one of them is the same way. We have the same organization. So it's, it's repetitive. You, you become accustomed to it. Uh, clinical definition. And what are the authoritative diagnostic criteria we throw in treatment because you want to know about that for your queries. Right. You want to validate, are they treating this condition? Maybe they're treating with something. They haven't even mentioned it yet. Yeah. But so treatment's critical. And then the real, the, the real challenge is the coding and documentation challenges that everybody faces. How do you connect these things? How do you apply the clinical criteria so that you're using them properly. How do you, what codes are you looking for? What's the right code? And, and what are other options that you might be, might be seeing that might improve the, the DRG assigned? There you go. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's uh, much of I mean, it's just a lot of work. I think it's just more, it sounds to me like there was just a lot of organization uh, involved, year. right? And you had you had the information, right? It's just like creating a book. You know, you I'm sure you had everything, all the materials in there, uh, based upon your experiences. Again, you said slide decks, right? So you've had mm-hmm. previous presentations that you've done authoritatively for certain diagnoses. It's just a matter of like, let's just put it together into one concise resource. And I'm sure there were was it just you and Cynthia that just did did the work in putting it together or did you have a team yeah. or, or just us just you two <laughs> just the two of us and every year it requires updating it's amazing it takes a couple of months of of hard work mm-hmm. to edit and to revise and to try and get all the new pertinent information you know we've got to see how to have the codes changed, how the clinical diagnostic criteria changed. Mm -hmm. You've got to research the medical literature thoroughly and you have to double check all those references just about every year Mm -hmm. to make sure that there's not something new you've got to include. A good example would be there's, there's some new uh, heart failure definitions out there Mm -hmm. that were just recently published. And so some of that information need to be in, needed to be incorporated right. uh, into uh, our heart failure topics. And you know how guidelines can change and just yeah. 
throw it, everybody. It can be corrected so too. Like they can say, well, we corrected the other one because we were wrong about the other one. So here's the new one. There <laughs> you go. Staying abreast of all the, the clinical encoding oh, boy. changes every year. It's, it's like a, do- it's like a really double whammy <laughs> for yeah. you guys. You bet. <laughs> but we've gotten used to it. We've been doing it for 15 years. Imagine. I'm sure you got your, you gotten down the routine, but I, I, I just self-realized like you guys are doing both, uh, you know, for coders, it's just coding guidelines, but for CDI, it's, it's a double whammy because you have to have the, the coding guideline updates, which come up every year. Um, the clinical guidelines, you, <laughs> you don't know when they're going to come out. They just, they just come out. Right. Yeah. There's no specific the- time frame. Think about the recent change from sepsis two to sepsis three definitions, you know, and to go back to the, you know, the electronic version Mm -hmm. uh, that, that is updated in real time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if something, whenever the COVID hit and the COVID codes and descriptions came out, you don't have to wait if a whole year for the print to come out. Because it used to be a a B code. Now it's a U code. U codes. Yeah. And then, so all that was immediately, you know, updated in the electronic version. You don't have to wait for a print copy. That's interesting. That's another powerful tool is it's real time. It's up to date every day, every week, every month. Yeah. Now, um, how did these webinars come about? So I, again, I, I, I connected with you because of the webinars, because people were asking me, can you find me free CDI webinars? You know, cause it's again, the way the, the market is with CDI, it's, it's very niche, right? It's very niche. It's high in demand and people don't really want to pay, you know, they, they just want, they need something to help, you know, maintain their, their credentials. And so I had found your webinars and I'm like, great, I could add it to my list and share it with everybody. So um, you guys do these webinars monthly. Like how did that all get started on top of the pocket guide or did it come off of the pocket guide? Yeah, it's, uh, a lot of it had to do with when we started publishing on our own, mm-hmm. the CDI pocket guide. Um, we felt that there was a need for a lot of this education out there and the cost of it was prohibitive. Mm-hmm. Um, we felt like we had the content already from the CDI pocket guide, we were being asked, we're asked frequently to, to do seminars or webinars for a for uh, a HEMA chapters mm-hmm. and for Actus chapters. Mm-hmm. And so this helps us build a library of, of uh, webinars that we can use over and over again that we can use for those chapters if they want it. Uh, we can update annually for new ones. That's kind of what we're doing. Hmm, okay. But it also helps us tremendously in marketing our CDI pocket guide because it shows the kind of content oh, of course, we have of course. and the expertise that we have. 
Right. And uh, we wanted to build our email lists to keep people informed. And we said, what better way to do it than, you know, to give people what they want for free that they can't get and they have to pay exorbitant prices for Mm -hmm. to get it. Uh, So all of those things combined in our mind to say, this is what we want to do and we want to do it monthly. That's nice. I I actually am impressed because, you know, you see, I was going to ask, you know, why don't you guys create a podcast? But I think this monthly uh, webinar thing uh, fits the bill, right? Because you give away, you're, you're providing yourselves, you and Cynthia, right? And yeah. you're, I mean, who doesn't want to hear you guys? Like, you know, when you, when you look at this book or you look at the resource, like who are these people? Who's, who's a uh, Pinson and Tang, you know? And you get this on this uh, monthly webinar, even if they're not there for, for the session, they hear you guys, they hear your personality, they hear how you guys uh, educate, they want to learn more about you. And because of that, I mean, I tell people this, the people want to know the people before the resource or whatever the business, right? And that's what you guys do. You yeah. put you guys, you guys put yourselves out there. And it creates interest because they connect with you. And as a result of them connecting with you, they see what your work is and then they're drawn to it. And so, of course, that can lead to either a purchase of a book or, or your consulting services, whatever it may be. So you guys got that, as I was call it, the, the marketing funnel. <laughs> you guys got it down packed. Right. But uh, it, I think it's best when we can help people, we can serve people. Yeah. At the same time. And they really appreciate it. I mean, we have comments all the time from people about our webinars and to keep them coming and how much they appreciate uh, having them where they can't really afford to pay for, for information like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to share them because that's what, uh, that's what they want. <laughs> People love well, free. Who you, doesn't? Brian. Who doesn't like free? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Now, now, a question that I, I want to go into is the what are your thoughts? I mean, you guys have started way back when you say 2004, right? So, let's say 2004. I started 2006. Around mm-hmm. that time, CDI was a certain state. <laughs> 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 if I would just say it very loosely, it's, it was a certain state, right. Uh, of, I guess, trying to understand the, how it all works, you know, uh, different, how would I say, um, objectives, right. And so through the years, there's been a pendulum swing from one end to the other, it's all, you know, it's in regards to reimbursement. It's in regards to quality. It's in regards to compliance. <laughs> you, you see you're bouncing every which way uh, in regards to the state of the purpose of what CDI is. Um, I've seen such transitions in how physicians document, let's say, for example, CHF <laughs> is one of them for sure. Um, but could you comment on just the overall evolution um, of CDI from then when you got introduced to it up until now? Um, To answer that question, I would say that uh, we could see as consultants often coming in after other consultants, Mm -hmm. okay, 
to assist with the CDI programs. And of course, CDI programs were really just being formed mm-hmm. still in a lot really? of hospitals, new ones yeah. back in those days. Nowadays, mm-hmm. just about everybody has one. Mm-hmm. And uh, many of them feel that, you know, they've got optimal performance, which may or may not be true. Yeah. But mm-hmm. back then, every consulting firm did it a different way. Mm. Every consulting firm organized them differently, offered different advice. There was lots of conflicting information. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a professional society to offer any guidance. You know, Actus, I guess, Actus hadn't started when you first. No, there was no Actus in 2006. There was no Actus. Yeah. So we had no guidance. We had no consistency. And uh, what I've seen over the years is a lot of that shake out. A lot of things that some of the consulting firms recommended have gone by the way as they should have. Uh, in some ways, the CDI Pocket Guide has helped to, to create a lot of the consistency mm-hmm. in the CDI community. I, I, I wish we had an, uh, an opportunity to help with uh, operational matters a little more because we have very strong beliefs in what best practices are. Mm-hmm. They're hard to write about. and Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, it just doesn't do a lot of good to write about them if you're not hands-on and you don't have coaching and that kind of thing. Or if they're going to follow them. That's that's another thing to, to consider. You know, you could lay out all your, I guess, um, operational guidelines. And, you know, there could be conflicting with the organization, you know. And so you might... You may you may have a stray away from that. So it's it's really it's just you know when I think of uh, you know trying to get into um, dealing with operations, you have to deal with managers, you have to deal with directors, you have to deal with a C suite, and all of that can get very how would I say uh, political <laughs> in the end. So it's like you know you know who's right, who's wrong, that type of situation. Project Resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting, education, and auditing services utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10-CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with MedicalCodingGeek.com and the Not Also Classified podcast. Go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop and use promo code GEEK15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to thehaugengroup, H-A-U-G-E-N group.com slash shop and use our promo code GEEK, G-E-E-K-1-5 at checkout. 
there are, there are a lot of interests that sometimes are at odds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Good way of Sometimes that. at odds inside the institution. Um, and we've seen that if even if the institution agrees, even if there's a consensus on here's how we're going to do it, you mm-hmm. lay it all out, you put it in writing, there still seems to be some drift off course. Yeah. If it's not reassessed by somebody on the outside, preferably the people that you agreed to work with the first time. Mm. And I think maybe, you know, that's one of probably one of the biggest challenges. If you want to know what one of the biggest challenges today is in CDI, I think it's that a lot of the programs are not getting the the reassessment, the rejuvenation, the um, the guidance to keep them on course. Yeah. And a, a lot of times the managers think, oh, we've done everything. Now we've got the optimal process. And there's drift. Yeah. And they may not be aware mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. They're not on their toes. Yep. And there's a lot, still a lot of, you got it, on their toes. That's a good expression. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of opportunity to make things better because they may have slipped a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've seen uh, that. that's not getting the attention that it needs. Yeah. I think the um, word is consistency. Yeah. And I've seen, um, I've heard of some programs where, you know, they reach a certain state you know, or, or a certain amount of tenure, if that's what you want to say, right. They, they've go. reached that yeah, certain tenure. point and then they're like, yeah. okay, we've, we've, we have this program for, you know, over 10 years, we're good. And uh, what we've done so far for the past 10 years has done wonders. Right. And so uh, what you'll see in their quality reporting is 100%, 100%, 100%. Right. And so whenever, I mean, I've been taught, whenever you see something being reported at 100% for so long, uh, there has to be some level of scrutiny, you know, like, is it really 100%? Are you really reporting stuff that should be reported? You know, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is if your program is running, if you think your program is running efficiently, then you're maybe looking at it wrong, you know, uh, you might, even though it's running in a certain direction, right? With the way you look at it, maybe you want to step over and look at it at a different angle and see if it works that way. You know, try to see the imperfections, you know, when you walk around your program, like, like for example, you get a new car, right? And you walk around the car, you try to look to all the details and see if there's any imperfections. I don't think a lot of programs are doing it. They're just running the car <laughs> you know, just just keeping forward just not making sure they're looking at the dings and the dents and and making sure everything you know there's no certain tune up i guess that's what i that's what i'm trying to say right they're not tuning up you know to make it's, sure that they're maintaining that consistency uh you know in their program yeah and i think that's what i was trying to say okay is there's no no reassessment no right, retuning right, 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 right no focusing and see could we do better? Mm-hmm. Could we be doing better or have we actually slipped off course? It's amazing. You can have all the process written down, but unless you 
reassess with somebody who really knows what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's slippage. And yeah. I think that's the nature of just about any program. Yeah. We yeah. always need to be reassessing and, and, uh, and making modifications based on what we find. I agree. I agree. Now let me ask, uh, you know, you being a physician, right? Um, what are your thoughts on, on, I asked about the current state of CDI, but I'm more interested in, in the current state of CDI physician champions. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody like a physician being involved, not necessarily doing receiving the queries, but helping and assisting um, CDI programs. I At the time that when I was a CD, because I, I did it for 12 years, I finished, I, I went from uh, CDI in 2008. I finished in 2018, sorry. And I went into auditing, right? But at the time in 2018, before I had left, I I was looking, you know, in terms of the CDI landscape. And I was like wondering, you know, I've heard of programs that try to bring in CDI uh, physician champions, but could not hold them, you know, or could not train them, or they weren't interested in, in you know, ultimately in the end. So like, I guess now, or in your opinion, what is the importance of having a CDI champion on board? And I guess another follow-up question is what would it take to keep one, <laughs> you know? Because uh, I think it's imperative that you need to have a CDI physician champion on board a CDI program. Yeah, I agree with you that you, you really have to have that for a lot of reasons. Um. You, you need physician involvement and physicians who have been trained just as the documentation specialists and coders have been trained in the mm. program and in the process. Some places have done very well. Some places have no one. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the, the title of, of these folks has evolved to physician advisor. All right. There you go. That's the word. Yeah. And there is a, there is a very large national organization of physician advisors. Oh, interesting. Um, thousands and thousands of members. And those are primarily case management, care management type mm-hmm. advisors for, you know, admission, medical necessity, but also CDI advisors. And um, in order to get good people and in order for them to spend the time getting the kind of training they need and to stick with it and devote the adequate time to the program, they're going to have to be paid positions. Right. And in the beginning, I think hospitals were looking for just unpaid, unpaid advisors, <laughs> a, a champion, you know, who would volunteer to wow. help. Mm-hmm. But some of them, some of the, in, in some hospitals, uh, physician advisors have become a full-time position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. CDI or, or care management. Right. And uh, it's well worth the investment. Oh, yeah. Um, it pays dividends. Mm-hmm. And um, 
it's too bad. Some hospitals really don't have the resources. Some hospitals are financially stressed and they, Correct. they may not, yeah. they, they may not be able to, uh, to do it. But I think a, a large majority of hospitals now do have these people yeah. on mm-hmm. staff mm-hmm. as, as a paid position, whether it's half time or full time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I, I had mentioned in a, not this podcast, but with somebody else that somebody asked me, well, what is your CDI all-star team? You know, like what would, what would be the ideal, you know, makeup of a, of a CDI program? Who would be part of it? Of course you would have your CDI specialists, right? You would have your, uh, I don't know, manager, director, you know, you have the basics. That's to me, that's the core, you know, your, your management and your CDI to take it a step higher then you would need to have like a CDI auditor, right. To make sure that the uh, CDI specialists are compliant. Right. Because I think that was the biggest thing. I think in 2018, mm-hmm. when, that lo- <laughs> when that lawsuit came out against, I think Providence, all right. Uh, what was the data? I forgot what the company was, the uh, analytic company. Um, oh, yeah. Remember, yeah, yeah. You, you remember that remember. in 2018? Oh, yeah. All yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, I, I remember they remember when they released, re-released, you know, Ahima and uh, Actus re-released their guidelines in 2019 after the 2018 event. Um, and, and I guess in more focus and compliance. So I, I threw in like, okay, we need to have an auditor because we need to have do a risk assessment of how we're placing these queries, right? And then we would need the auditor. Then we'd also need an educator. Maybe the auditor and the educator can do the same job, you know, but we need to have continual education downward to making sure we are educating in a compliant manner. And of course, you need to have your CDI physician on top of your CDI educator to corroborate with one another, right? The same thing like you and Cynthia and, and, and yourself, you know, you corroborate with one another to provide good education. And mm-hmm. so that will trickle down and then reinforce it, right? Um, that to me is the all-star team. But when you think about how that works through, you know, I'm going to tell you, I went into auditing to work for the payer side, <laughs> right? So uh, I went from CDI to providing denials now. And it's an interesting take because, uh, or the different flip side, because I, I've done CDI for 12 years. I'm currently doing the, the I guess, the auditing for, for payers and doing the denials, you know, the clinical validation denials, you know, the, the coding denials and all of those things. And, you know, when I, when I think of it, I'm still relating things to what I've taught in CDI or what I've learned in CDI per se is, you know, taking the stuff that I have learned, making sure that, you know, a query, and I've seen this and I've, I've, I've mentioned this so many times on podcasts, I've seen where a query was so badly written and unsupported that it resulted in the physician to document an unsupported diagnosis and then resulted in the query, you know, in a denial, I'm sorry. And I think, you know, I see it from that aspect. I see it nationwide uh, where badly written queries are, (laughs) are written and I, and I cringe, I yell in my office. Hey, this is my office. I actually work on, on this computer on this side. And you see me going like, oh my gosh, is that even possible? You know, how could that have happened where, you know, you have queries that 
are leading, you know, and they don't have the clinical support. And it makes me question, do they even have the study guide, you know, the, the pocket guide with them to help, <laughs> you know, guide them through? Uh, it should it help them. You know, so those, those are things that I've seen on the other side. You know, uh, you're bringing up something that's uh, very important to Cynthia and I. Yeah. And sometimes we feel, you know, like we're the the only people out there speaking. You know, maybe we're speaking to, uh, you know, a, a deaf audience mm. um, or, or not clearly understood, but it's the clinical validation right. of of diagnoses when you put them on the claim. We mm-hmm. have two conflicting uh, imperatives. One is what are the coding guide? What do the coding guidelines and rules say? Okay, about uh, diagnosis and coding, mm-hmm. and and pretty much the message you hear from the from the coding side is that um, if the physician confirms a diagnosis, then a code should be assigned to it. Mm -hmm. And if it looks like it's not clinically valid, you may submit a query asking about clinical validity. Well, the, um, the CMS regulations and the, and for a billing uh, claims payment require clinical validation. And, and that means the, the record must contain information, as you were, as you were talking about, mm. that substantiates the diagnosis. And it's basically saying you must second-guess the physician's diagnosis if there's a question about its validity and you cannot put a code on that claim. And what you run afoul of if you if you if you don't follow that is the False Claims Act. Mm-hmm. And if it turns out you're doing this regularly, there's big trouble. And that's what so many of those those DOJ and uh, uh, those DOJ and uh, Office of Inspector General OIG. things have been about. Mm-hmm. And so. The point we try to make is even if you query the physician of a, in a situation where there's very little or nothing to support it, if that physician cannot provide reasonable grounds to support the diagnosis, you still can't code it. So even a query, the query has to ask for more information. If it's not provided, you should not code that diagnosis. And that's, that's, I think, the biggest challenge we face today in CDI yeah, yeah. is understanding that. And then how do we work through that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's another reason why a physician advisor is so important is in assisting with this clinical validation because coders and even the documentation specialists may not be comfortable saying, well, this is not clinically valid. We've got to leave it off. Mm, yeah. But yeah. that's what what billing and claims 
CMS regulations are all about. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 all about packaging. You know, you got to make sure everything is packaged right, because otherwise, if it's missing something, you know, it's going to get returned back. I, I guess that's how I see it. Um, so let's wrap this po- podcast episode up. We're <laughs> already an hour and a half. Can you believe that? It's been a while. We're going to have to do some editing. Yeah. What one, I guess, piece of advice could you give to our audience to close out the episode? Hmm. One piece of advice. <laughs> I used to, you know, the, the funny thing is that well, the funny thing is I used to ask what best words of advice could you give? But then people tend to just kind of go on <laughs> giving a whole bunch of advice. Yeah. And so yeah, I, right. I recently changed it. I'm like, okay, let me make it just one piece of advice. Yeah. You can just give me just one. Cause you know, people will give all their advice in the last shot. I said, let me just, change it. I mean, just, just one, just give me just one, because I know it's one. very important to just, just to pick one. That's uh two. I guess, I guess the way I could phrase, rephrase this question um, at, at the time that you are in now, right. And the current situation, whatever your, your time, whatever, what one piece of advice that has been helpful to you lately that can close out this episode. Well, I, I have a selfish piece of advice, sure. a self-serving piece of advice, which would be for for uh, everyone to make sure they have our CDI pocket guide to keep <laughs> them up to date, and even better, the uh, uh, the unbound electronic version. That would be the self-serving piece of advice, I think. The, the, the other best piece of advice that I can give to anyone involved in CDI is to keep learning. Keep your intellectual curiosity. Don't rest on your current knowledge laurels. Keep going stay involved and if that happens to be involved the cdi pocket guide fine but there are many other ways to maintain your intellectual curiosity and keep learning don't stop so there you have it that completes my interview with dr richard pinson dr pinson thank you for being on the podcast it was a pleasure to speak with you you can check out Richard, Dr. Richard Pinson on LinkedIn. Uh, you can check out his uh, company website, pinsonandtang.com, and also check out the original CDI Pocket Guide. They are, um, I believe, they're doing pre orders for the 2022 version, uh, both the book and also the Unbound, the, the, the electronic version or digital version. You can find that by going to CDI pocketguide.com and the websites are pinsonandtang.com and cdipocketguide.com medicalcodinggeek.com